0: Okay, so, if any of you don't know, my name is John Wissner. Um, I am a very, very last minute substitute for Brandon tonight. Um, Brandon is, thank you. Guys, be gracious with me, please. Uh, Thank you. Brandon is not here. Um, His family is sick. Uh, Some of them, it sounds like some of them have COVID. Brandon doesn't, but he couldn't make it back in time because of the traffic there in Arizona. Uh, so he just couldn't be here tonight. He's probably watching. So hi, Brandon. <laughs> hi, Brandon. <laughs> hi, Brandon. <laughs> hi Brandon.
1: <laughs>
0: I know, right? He's gonna critique me later. Probably <laughs> saying I'm, sick. I'm saying myself. <laughs> so, with that, um, go easy on me. Uh, I uh, started just. Uh, I pretty much had a, just a two hours to prepare this, um, but. I felt like it was coming this morning for some reason. God was—I haven't been able to get to my Bible time for a while lately. But this morning I was reading in Luke, and I felt like God was just starting to show me some things, and so I felt like that was the tipping. And I was like, "Oh no, something's going to happen today." <laughs> uh, so I started realizing that I thought I found a theme in Luke, and uh, I think it's going to be obvious. You guys will—it's not a difficult to con- concept. Um, a lot of these are just kind of working thoughts, so it's not like a beautiful tied-up sermon or anything. But I'd like to share what I found in Luke so far. Take a look at Luke. Take a look at Luke. <laughs> so uh, this is obedience in the book of Luke. Uh, we'll spend some time in Matthew too, but we'll primarily be in Luke. Um, so yeah. So I'm reading from Luke, and I couldn't help but notice that the theme of obedience throughout the book. I wanted to share a few of these stories that I found and words from Jesus about obedience in our Christian walk. So, obedience is the name of the game tonight. Um, To begin, I wanted to frame us in the mindset um, of obedience um, and what I'm referring to when I'm talking about it. So, in a way, there are actually two sides of obedience to me. Um, On one side, the way we, we can obey God by not doing certain things, like the Ten Commandments, like don't steal, don't kill... Um, And the other side is we can obey God by doing things. He tells us to do something and we obey by doing it. Um, Obviously, these are interchangeable a lot. They go over and um, they mix. But um, today I want to be focusing more on the second of these two, the obedience by doing what God tells us to do. Okay, so that's what I'll be referring to. Um, I want to share my main thought right away. uh, that Through my reading of Luke, I believe that God is showing us that through obedience to God, he allows us a special way to see and experience Him in a very upfront and personal way, uh, whether we recognize it in that moment or not. Uh, so I think we can definitely have contact with God often, but I think through obedience to what He says to do, I think there's a special portion from God for us when we obey Him. So that is simple, but it is reaffirming and it is it's going to be interesting. Um, so, uh, to frame this, just real quick in Luke, I'm going to show a few things that, um, that God says, Jesus says in Luke about obedience. So, Luke 6, 46 through 49, if you guys want to go over there. A lot of this will be familiar because it's the Gospels, you guys have probably heard of all of this, but... Um, So obedience and also do, the word do is repeated so many times in the things that I'm going to say, because that's what we're talking about, it's doing what God wants us to do. Okay, so this is Jesus speaking. But why do you call me, um, but why do you call me, Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show uh, whom he is like. He is like the man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it for he was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like the man who built the house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. One man heard what God said and he did it. And he had a strong The other person heard what God said, and he did not do it. And it obviously came crashing down on him. Um, now let's move to Luke 8:19 to 21. Okay So this is uh, talking about Jesus. all of Luke pretty much is. Then his mother and his brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. And it, was told, and it was told him by some who said, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside, desiring to see you. But he answered and said to them, My mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Okay? So we're reinforcing that even though these people had a close relationship with Jesus, he's obviously their family, the people that are closest to him, really, his real mother and brother, are those who hear the word and obey him. Okay, so to Luke eleven, twenty seven and 28. Okay, and it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. But he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So once again, even though Mary must have been close with her son Jesus, he says, more than that, blessed are those who hear my word and keep it. It's another translation, obey it. So I think that throughout Luke, it's definitely pinpointing saying that those who obey God, if you, he, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll be obey my commandments. I think that they, when he says to do something and you actually do it, you get a special interaction with God, in a way. Okay. So, um, so, we'll just pick up a few characters that obeyed in Luke. I'm sure you guys are all familiar with these people, but um, we'll just kind of go chronologically real quick over three instances. Um, so, we'll rest, start right in Luke chapter 1 with Zacharias and Elizabeth, John the Baptist's parents. So, I'm going to be reading a bit, I've just because I don't, i yeah, I just have to, quite a bit to read this time, so bear with us. It's the scripture, so it's good. Okay, so chapter 1, verse 5 through 25. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. And his wife was the daughter of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And they both were well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him on on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And when you have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even in his mother's womb. And he will turn away many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also be go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn hearts of the fathers to their children, and to disobedience to disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias in response said, Um, Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? How shall I do this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel uh, answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and bring these tidings to you. But behold, You will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe in my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the day of his service were complete, that he departed to his own house. Now after those days Elizabeth conceived... And she hid herself for five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dwelt with, dealt with me in my days, and he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. Okay, so Zacharias' Zacharias's mouth was sealed, um, because he did not believe in the word that the angel delivered him. Um, with his disbelief came disobedience, actually, Um so the angel, speaking as the messenger of God, which means that these are God's words, um, told him that Zacharias and Elizabeth would have a son and that they must name his name John. Great name. Yeah, it's a good name. I like it too. Uh, so I would find that as the command, is you'll name his name John. Um, and Zacharias, in... in. Um, by denying that the angels words, by denying the angels' words, the couple was denying belief in God's sovereignty, as well as denying to obey the instruction to name the boy John. Since they didn't believe, uh, they could have a son to begin with. So God makes Zechariah silent, but he gives him a chance, another chance to be obedient to him, to God. So we'll jump into Luke uh, one fifty nine real fast. So it was actually one second. So it was on the eighth day that came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives with that name. So they made signs to his father what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote this saying, His name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. Then the fear of all who dwelt around them, um, fear fell on all those who dwelt around them. And all these sayings were discussed throughout the hill country of Judea. So, so immediately after Zacharias obeys God, his mouth is opened. I think that that's pretty interesting. Um, Not only is his mouth open, but he goes on right after that part in the chapter to proclaim Zechariah's prophecy, the song of Zechariah. We actually went, we read a little bit of it tonight. Um, In prophesying God's word, that is like when the Holy Spirit goes onto a person and the words that they come out, they come out are spiritual words, like holy words. Um, And that is a close, intimate thing that experience that somebody could have with God. Um, Yes. So I think that um, in, God uses Zechariah's obedience not only as a chance to redeem him, but also as a moment for Zechariah to become closer with God than he ever may have been before. Um, by obeying God and naming his son John, the Lord opened his mouth and pours out the Holy Spirit, uh, spirits moving words through him as a result of his obedience. God came closer to Zechariah and used him mightily. <laughs> So that's the first person I wanted to bring up, is that he started off maybe disobeying, disbelieving, and then God gave him the chance to have this obedience, and he took it. He, he obeyed God, and as a result of obeying God, um, God gave him a special portion of himself that day um, that was permanently recorded in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I think it's by doing, by doing what God told him to do, he was able to have a special uh, allotment that day, and I think that that is pretty awesome. So the next place I want to move is to uh, Luke 10, uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 15. Okay, so this is the one I thought through the least, but you guys will get it. (laughs) All right. Okay, so the parable of the Good Samaritan. You guys are all familiar with it, but I just want to point out a few key words. Um, And behold, this this is somebody that was trying to test Jesus. That's how this saying started, uh, how this parable was brought up. And behold, a a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So the man answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to them, You have answered rightly, Do this, and you will live. Do these things, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, and said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among the thieves, who stripped him of his clothing and "'Wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. "'Now by chance a certain priest came down the road, "'and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. "'Likewise the Levite, and he arrived at the place, "'came and looked and passed on the other side. "'But a Samaritan, as he sojourned, came to where he was, "'and he saw him. He had compassion. He, "'So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, "'pouring in oil and wine, and he sent them on his own animal.' brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said, He who showed mercy on him? Then Jesus said, Go and do likewise. Um, I just wanted to point out that this, one of the most famous parables in the Bible, is actually uh, bookended with the words, do, do this. Right before, he says, like, what do, I, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. He says, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. Then he goes and shows, obviously, the Good Samaritan story, and he bookmarks it with, go and do likewise. I think that... Um, I don't know about you guys, but I get very stagnant with certain things. Uh, God has pushed me to do things before, like, go and do this, and I did not do it. Uh, definitely. But the times that I did do it felt very rewarding. Um, even like this tonight, I didn't plan on doing this, but I'm trying to follow what God's showing me and say, do this thing. Do these things that God wants you to do. Um, because I think what the point of this is showing is that inaction uh, is disobedience. Um, inaction, yeah, it is. Because it says, go and do this. If, if you're not doing this thing, then that means you're not loving your neighbor, and that means you're disobeying God. Pretty black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the next portion we're going to jump to is in Luke 12, verse eight and nine. So we're going to touch on this and then jump over to Matthew. Um. So, Jesus says, Alas, I say to you. So, this is, this is separate now from, from the Good Samaritan. Um, this is kind of, we're going to be seeing people that have done these things and have not done these things. Um, but I wanted to tie it into Luke, at least, because that's the main book that we're trying to look at tonight. Uh, Jesus says, Alas, I say to you, whoever confesses me before men... Him, the Son of Man, will also confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Okay, so we're going to jump over to Matthew 25, verse 31. You guys can keep your finger there if you want. Okay, so I think that this is a parable about the people that obeyed God and did the thing uh, compared to the people that we're having inaction and we're disobeying God through their inaction. Um, And it's, it's a stark difference. So you guys will see right now when I read it too. So this is Jesus speaking again, just in Matthew. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And this is the key verse. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you're cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, stranger, naked, sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? And he'll answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to me, to... Did not do it to one of the least of these. You did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment for the righteous, and the righteous into eternal life. Um, this is a pretty amazing passage, I think, because I think that. Well, I love this passage. I guess we could say, what is the command that is in this passage? It's not directly stated. It's kind of implied. Um. But it's pretty much found all over the Bible. <laughs> the, this. Um, mm-hmm. Proverbs says, Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor uh, will also cry out and not be answered. I think that that is a parable of what that proverb said. Um, that to God, apparently the poor, like all those things that he mentioned, the sick, afflicted, they, are, they have a divine presence that we need to acknowledge. And we need to obey God by helping these people. Um, if you guys wanted to... Oh, I lost it. But yeah. Um, so, let me get back to this. But plainly... Okay, so the command plainly is this. Uh, as we looked at earlier in Luke, God commands us to love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Uh, and, he, he, and to love our neighbor as ourself. If we are obeying these two primary commandments then what we will naturally be doing is these acts of service listed in the parable. Um, That is the commandment, is to love God and to love these people. And as a result, that obedience that is in the parable in Matthew is what what we'll be doing and having to experience. Um, And then you might also say, like, who is my neighbor? (laughs) Who's my neighbor? Well, it's obvious. uh, Well, in the Good Samaritan story, it was the man that was pretty much beaten to death and the point was that he was fully unable to to repay the debt that was given to him. Um, and also in the, the neighbors, our neighbors are the hungry, the thirsty, the poor, the sick and imprisoned. All people who are unable to repay the good that we do to them. God wants us to be obedient to what he wants us to do, even if there is no visible reward for doing so. Just for doing it. Um... I wanted to move into that passage a little bit more. Um, The parable in Matthew shows something else as well. The neighbor, sometimes, uh, what that parable says is that the neighbor we are sometimes helping is God himself. Um, God says in Matthew, the one we just read, Matthew 25, 40, that, Assuredly I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these brethren, you did it to me. Uh, do you guys think this is literal or metaphorical? I think it's literal. I think it's literal a lot of the time. Um, by helping the poor, we are actually doing something to God himself. Yeah? I personally believe that, maybe not in all cases, but I believe that by being obedient to God's commands and helping the poor or my neighbor in need, that I am literally coming in contact with God, the creator of the world. Um, you remember what our author of Hebrews said? Uh, let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Mm. I think that that's very exciting. Um, and it actually has been the motivation for me to accept these commandments to help certain people that I might not want to or that I don't feel called to uh, to, to obey. Because um, I believe that in helping those people or in talking to them, even if they look like a crazy homeless person down the hill, um, the presence of God. I can come in contact with the presence of God that way, um, in a special way. Um, uh, whether you not agree with me, whether this is literal or metaphorical, uh, we can agree on this, that by obeying God, uh, God Christians have the chance to interact with them here on earth in this way. Whether whether you think it's literally God is with this person or or just rewarded later, Um, not just in our spirit, but in a more physical way. By being sensitive to the spirit moving in our lives, and by being obedient to God, God gives us the opportunity to have a closer interaction with him here on earth. Um, I think that that is just, like we we can experience God in our spirit, Uh, I think we do often, and through prayer and Reading his word. The word is one of the main ways that we can contact God. But I think that this is a different way that is overlooked. He says that whatever we have done to the least of these, we have done to him. And I think that that's a pretty cool physical way that we can literally interact with our God the God that wants us to seek him, the God that wants us to find him, and the God that wants to reward us in heaven. Proverbs nineteen seventeen says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Um, God said we will be repaid for lending to the poor, but isn't knowing that you have had contact with the God of all creation enough? Mm-hmm. It is enough for me to do that. Mm-hmm. I would like to, to know that God gives me the assurance that I can come in contact with him here physically through obeying his commandments. Mm-hmm. Amen. Through obedience, we can have contact with God. Um, Lastly, I wanted to bring up the final obedience that I saw in the book of Luke. We're going to jump over to Luke 22. Luke 22, uh, verse 39 through 44. All right, the prayer in the garden. Coming out. uh, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, as was his, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. when he came to the place, he said to them, "Pray that you may not enter into temptation, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, "Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done." Then the angel appeared to him from heaven and strengthened him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then, then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Um, this was... Yeah. Even though Jesus was afraid of what was going to happen to him as a result of his obedience, he still obeyed the Father. And guess what happened? <laughs> he, After his crucifixion, he ascended and he was placed at the right hand of the Father, of Father God. Um, he obviously was. This is what Philippians says Philippians 2 8. Uh, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Um, hopefully, we don't have to reach that level of obedience. But if we are obedient, once again, I think that this pattern has come through. Sorry if it's been hard to follow, but. Um, once again, through obedience to God, we, like Jesus, will receive a closer and more intimate relationship with our Maker. Jesus obeyed the will of God. It obviously was not fun, And then, but he was resurrected to a place that it says was closer than he was before. Um, so I think that just there seems to be that theme through the book of Luke. Um, I wasn't able to study it super thoroughly, but I believe that what I've been saying this whole time obedience to god gives us a deeper alley in which we can follow to get to him compared to just being present or just not obeying i think that by by obeying we get a special portion from god uh, not only in that moment but we get closer to him like jesus did like jesus said he got to the right hand um so praise god that's everything that I prepared tonight. So, thank you. And that was the book of Luke, Obedience in the Book of Luke. <laughs> okay. Thank you.